Um, as we uh, have been going through the Sermon on the Mount, uh, you can open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. And uh, we have just been so blessed by Jesus' preaching to his people. And what we have found is that the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, isn't just fire insurance. It, it, it isn't just to keep us out of hell and into heaven, although it's really good for that. <laughs> but there's more. There's so much more that the gospel means to the people of God. Because what Jesus is going to do is fix that which is broken. Amen. He is going to undo those things that are undone and bring them back together again. The gospel is not just going to church and, and checking off the box that you are a good person because you attend 75% of the time. It is a whole different way of living and a different way to interact with the God of creation. And so we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, and it is after Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, these are some of the first steps uh, that he takes in ministry, uh, in his earthly ministry, and he, 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 he is teaching from the mount to his disciples and those around, and he's, un, he's helping them understand what the kingdom of God is truly like, what the kingdom of God is truly like. And so last week, uh, we talked about laying up treasures. And this week, we're going to talk about God's provision. So uh, if you have your Bibles or you can see it on the screen, we're in Matthew chapter, 20, uh, chapter 6, verse 25, and following through 34. And Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body and what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they, how they grow. They neither toil nor, nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, burned up, will he not much more clothe ye, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious about anything saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your Heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Last week, as we looked up laying up treasures, we were talking about a preoccupation with accumulation of things that lead to our comfort, 
a preoccupation, a worry <laughs> about, in, in fact, in the Spanish word for worry is preocupado, preoccupied. We are preoccupied with the accumulation of things that lead to comfort. And so we saw that as we, uh, we, we work towards safety or prestige or bigger houses or more comfortable places or, or nicer cars or power, but we do all of that to the neglect of the greater vision that Jesus has for our lives that lasts beyond 30 and 40 and 60 and 80 years but has eternal consequences. So last week Jesus said, don't lay up for your tre tre yourself treasures on earth where rust and moth destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither rust or moth destroy and where thieves do not break in to steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be as well. So last week was a preoccupation, a worry about the things that we were accumulating and this time, it's preoccupation with accumulating the wrong things, like the bad things, the things that we, that we are uncertain about in the future. And so he says, do not be anxious. Don't be preoccupied with what you don't have presently. So today, there's some good news. As many or most or maybe all of us come with some anxiety today. Jesus says it does not have to be that way for the people of God. Do not be anxious. You know, the problem with, with scarcity, when, when you don't have stuff or you don't see it right now, is that scarcity usually leads to more scarcity. Have you not seen uh, the person who is maxing out their Lone Star card at the first of the month? They've got a basket full of food. And, and you go, well, you, if you are rationally thinking, you should just kind of, you know, get that. And the stuff you're buying is not going to help you get through the month, right? That, 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 that first day, they've got big, like big steaks. And you're kind of going, come on, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense, right? But there's something in us that when we are in that position, we're like, I've got to make sure I ta I'm taken care of today. And so we, we tend to hoard it. We, we tend to make irrational decisions. Think about in relationships with, with people when you, when you don't have community very much and, and, and you're looking for a friend. Have you, you've been around people like this who are looking for a friend, but because they have that scarcity, they're not a very good friend, right? And so they're, they're very uncomfortable to be around right? And it's the scarcity, the fear that they won't have any friendships, that they begin to act out in a certain way to make sure they don't have relationships, right? Maybe you've been there. High school, that's so, you know, I'm just telling you. Especially junior high school, oh my goodness. I said the stupidest things in class, by the way, because I wanted to, why do you say yes? How do you know that? Did my mom tell you that? Oh, Wendy told you. Okay, yeah. Yeah, she was freshman year in college. She, yeah, she, she was there too, so. <laughs> Amen. Scarcity caused us to, to, to think 
and to act foolishly in order to overcome those things. Or with our friendships, we then become very defensive and we act like we don't need those kind of relationships. In reality, we desperately desire them. So then then you add the anxiety for the fear of provision, and it could be whether it's food or safety or protection or friendship or intimacy cause us to act in such a way that all those things seem harder. Anxiety is bad. (laughs) But this is not the way of Jesus, my friends. You don't have to be anxious. You don't have to be poor to be anxious about the future, though. Worry hits all kinds of people, right? What will happen to my kids? Will this business deal go through? Is it all going to come tumbling down? We are uncertain about the future, and with that comes a certain anxiety. See, this is typical of worry. It always gives the impression that it does not really want to be relieved. Worry gives us that attitude. Like it really doesn't want to be relieved. The person wants to be relieved, but worry wants to go over and over and over. You've been there. Uh, Outside my uh, bedroom window, we have a bird feeder. And so uh, Wendy loves to sit there in the morning and and read and, and look out the window and all the birds come. And there's brown little finches, and there's a family of red birds or cardinals, or whatever, and they're doing their thing. And there's, we have nine, we've been, so for several years now, there's nine of this little family of red birds. And, and she said, she told me this morning, and there was a scissor tail there this morning. And so there's all these wonderful birds that just swarm around our feeder out there. And it's so nice. But, you know, we're, we're about to go to vacation, like half the church is out on vacation today, but we're going to do that in a couple weeks. You know, and, and when I go, um, what if I were to say, you know what, I've got to find somebody to fill that feeder. Because if I don't feed the, fill the feeder, those birds are going to die. And then when I'm sitting on the beach, I can't really play, uh, what's, what's the game we play with the spike ball? I can't play spike ball because I'm worried that when I get home, there's going to be a field of birds, red birds and black birds and brown birds, and, and they're going to be bound by that feeder. And since I had no one to feed them, that they'll be looking up at that window going, And if I were to tell you that, you would say, you're not very smart. What's wrong with you? The birds don't need your feeder, right? They're going to be all right. Now, the dog may not be all right. He's not very bright. But the, but the birds, the birds will be fine, right? They don't need my feeder in order for them. They're not worrying, right? Because God provides for them. But here I could be on on the beach so worried about this terrible day when I return all for no reason. Now this, this passage 
doesn't mean that you don't need to work. This doesn't mean that you don't prepare. This doesn't mean that you are not wise and you just trust that everything's going to be all right. <laughs> I had one of my uh, friends when I worked at Faith Mission who was chronically homeless and when he, he, something bad would happen, well, like, he would wrap, he, one time he wrapped the truck, uh, the mission truck, around a telephone pole. Um, and he would say, I said, oh, so-and-so, what just happened? He'd go, oh, well. And, and he would lose a job. He's like, what are you going to do? Like, you're not going to be able to, 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 you know, take care of yourself. He's like, oh, well. I mean, it's like he said, like Eeyore almost, you know? Like, oh, well. And so that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is not saying that everything's just going to be all right. And in fact, that's what the world says. You can see those little memes on, uh, uh, on your Instagram feed. It talks about, you know, don't worry, it's all, it's all going to be okay. In philosophy, you call that determinism. But it's just all going to work out. It's going it's to have it. But that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying it's not all going to work out. In fact, for those who are outside of the kingdom of God, it is not going to be okay. In fact, the wor- there's more to worry about than you can imagine. Like The problem is you haven't worried about the right things. But Jesus is saying for those who are in the kingdom, you need not worry. Here are the reasons why you shouldn't worry. Because God is the creator and the provider. And so Jesus says, look into nature and see. Look at the birds. They're all right. Look at the the flowers. Look how beautifully they're clothed. Yet, those things come and go so quickly. And God provides for them. God is providential. God is over all. He is not just one who's created the world and spun it out into existence, but he is active within his creation for its provision. He keeps things going. So we could stop there, but that's not the good news. The good news is that you can now call upon him as your heavenly father. He cares. These aren't just sovereign acts that are happening. He cares about you. Jesus says to call him your heavenly father. We would understand if Jesus Jesus said, call upon my father, my heavenly father. He says, no, no, your heavenly father does these things, and this is what he wants to do for you. He is going to provide for you. If he does it for the birds, if he does it for the, the the flowers in the field, how much more for you? But here comes the problem. This word anxiety in the Greek is this word, it means divided. It's kind of split in half. And this is the problem that the people of God can have. We can be split in half. We can, in one way, be holding on to God, and on the other way, holding on to the world. And so what does that look like? It looks like this, because they're not going in the same direction. And so we are caught in between. The book of James says that you need to decide between two positions. Otherwise, you're like, you're like being in the sea, cast from this side to that side. Isn't that what anxiety feels like? Don't you go to bed at night sometimes with that anxiety, and as you listen to it, you begin to repeat the same thought over and over and over again? 
you have the same argument? And is it, is it helpful? Like, do you get anywhere with that? No, you just get miserable. That's why he says, oh, ye of little faith. Don't you believe? You're, you're holding on like this. You should do this. Right? You should be holding on to the Father. You see, anxiety is foolish thinking, foolish feeling. It doesn't contain faith. It is unfruitful. So we can just say, hey, guys, just stop it. Just stop doing that. Amen. End of sermon. Glad we fixed that. No. Jesus is not saying just stop it. He's saying, oh, you little faith. In other words, if you had more faith, if you are growing in your faith, you are not going to have this same kind of anxiety where you are uncertain of the future you're fearful of what may come. You become stressed and depressed. And it doesn't matter what the truth really is. Because we're in this cycle. We are divided, holding on to the world and holding on to him at the same time. The world is full of pithy statements about uh, and encourage you, like, in, you're going to be all right, an inflated view of yourself, or an extra do- do- dose of self-determinism, or Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But that's not what God is calling to us. He's calling us to faith. Now, faith is not the absence of reason. The world wants to say that sometimes. Faith is not the absence of reason. Actually, faith is something that says, I'm going to push you to think. You're stuck in anxiety because you've stopped thinking. Keep thinking. Redeem this. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't stop thinking. You begin to claim that which is true. So you begin to ponder the things of God. You think about the birds of the, uh, the, birds of the air and the flowers in the field. And you remember, oh, okay, wait a minute. God has provided for them. I don't, I haven't hired anybody for bird seed, bird feeder patrol. Like he takes care of them and he's going to take care of me. In fact, he's going to take care of me even more because I'm his child and he loves me. And, and I remember the passage that was just read in, in Romans chapter eight. If God was willing, the father was willing to give his son for me, how much more is he going to provide for today? Can you trust him? Jesus is continuing to say throughout the Sermon on the Mount, you have heard it said, but I now tell you. He's saying, think. Find out what the truth is. There's a whole section of the Bible called wisdom literature. The Bible, faith doesn't say stop thinking. It says press into thinking rightly. It isn't a blind faith. It's reasonable. It's thoughtful. I told you last week as we were teaching these, these pastors in Kenya uh, three weeks ago about the Word of God, and they, they just read through it one time, and they all got the different answers for what the passage is about, and we kept pressing them, pressing them, pressing them, and an hour later they go, oh, this is what it's about. It doesn't, faith doesn't say stop thinking. It says think rightly. 
We must press into the truth of the Word. And when you do, when I do, we find that it is delightful. But our flesh, our flesh is full of emotion, full of emotion that has given up on reasoning and thinking and is submitted to the way of the world. So I encourage you, brothers and sisters, let us grow in our faith. As you feel that anxiety welling up, as you, your breath gets shorter, you know what I mean? Yeah. Wendy, hears, Wendy hears me uh, regularly, I'll go, <sighs> what's wrong? She knows something's wrong. Like, I've, I've sensed it. Like, that anxiety is, is back at it. It's saying, is God going to provide in this minute, in this moment? Is, are things going to work out? And you have to stop and breathe and say, I trust I remember God's faithfulness. So you who are oaks in the faith, who've been around for a long time, I want you to remember back how God has provided for you. For you who are are saplings in the faith, you're you're just starting out, I want to encourage you to keep going. Keep ingesting the Word. Read through the book of John and just read through it slowly. Go through the book of Psalms. Go through the book of Proverbs and just read and remember and pray and build up a regular system of prayer. I hope that that you will join with us as we we pray together and you get those daily prompts to remind you to go and pray and and, and brings you back to continually reaching out to Him. And the Bible says in the same book of James, as we draw near to Him, He draws near to us. This is the very essence of faith. Faith can be defined like this. It is a man insisting upon and thinking when everything seems determined to bludgeon and knock him down in an intellectual sense. The trouble with a person of little faith is that instead of controlling his own thought, his thought is being controlled by something else. And as we put it, he goes round and round in circles. My prayer is that you get off that treadmill. He goes on to say, we, we must not be like the Gentiles, the heathens. Rather, we should seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. People of God, we are to be single-minded to see his vision for our life. Part of the problem is, I, I, I believe there's probably some people today even who are right on the fence. You're right on this line right here. It would be good if I did that, but it's hard for me to believe. It's hard for me to trust. And as long as you're doing both of these things, you're going to be miserable. You're probably miserable then if you're doing one or the other because you're divided. Today, I'm encouraging you all the way, full commitment. Here's the beautiful picture that Jesus gives in John chapter 3 when he's talking to this religious man. The religious man asks, how do you enter into this kingdom of God? He's asking, how how does this happen? Like, how do I let go? And Jesus says, you can't do that unless you be born again. Here is the fantastic news. 
God gives you a new, a second life. You've been going a certain way. You're like, man, this stinks. I don't like this. I'm miserable. And I don't, I've made so many mistakes. I don't think I can come back from this. I failed him. I failed my family. I've not had success. I, I've been addicted. I've lost so much because of my foolishness for what people have done to me. And I am nothing. And God says, I'll give you a second chance. I'll give you a second life. And it's for you. Will you today give him both your hands? This is the way of Christ. I know there are some, there's voices chirping at you in your heart and your mind. I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if I can trust him. How's it working for you? Full of anxiety, anger, bitterness. You feel lost, scared. This is the way. Trust Him. No longer be divided, but walk with Him. He's good. He's our Heavenly Father. Let's pray.